0: So you were able to fend off this young man with a cell phone and a handful of rocks. Is that right? See. Yes. No further questions. Redirect. So you were lucky, right?
1: Yes. Objection. I'll allow him answer. Any regrowth? Oh, yes. Sir.
0: So you were lucky that you were facing a man who didn't really want to stab you, weren't you? <laughs>
2: I don't know. I don't know what intentions he might have had. From WBEZ Chicago and the Chicago Tribune, this is 16 Shots, the police shooting of Laquan McDonald. I'm Jen White. Today, Jason Van Dyke's defense team brought to the stand the man who called 911 on October 20th, 2014. That's the call that brought Jason Van Dyke to 41st and Pulaski, where he shot Laquan McDonald. Rudy Barillas said he saw someone he thought was stealing radios from trucks. Jason Meisner is a reporter with the Chicago Tribune. He's interviewed Barillas before and was in court today for his testimony. Jason, walk us through what Rudy Barillas said happened that night.
0: Rudy Barillas was uh, parking a truck at a secured lot in 41st and Kildare about 9.45 p.m. It's about 12 minutes before uh, the shooting. Uh, he noticed somebody in a truck and told him to to get out of there and the person wasn't paying attention to him so he called 911 and while he was on the phone uh, he said this person got out of the truck and confronted him and uh, got to within a few feet of him and then pulled out a knife and tried to stab him. Uh, Rudy said he at first he threw a cell phone at the person and then he bent down and, and picked up some gravel in the lot and threw it at his face and then the person ran off towards 41st Street while the police were responding.
2: Did he have any further interaction with this person?
0: He said that the person got out of the truck and confronted him with a knife uh, pretty quickly. He he got within a few feet of him, and he said he tried to stab him. And what happened when he got to three feet from you? He pulled out a knife and he
2: wanted to hurt me.
0: And what did he do with the knife? He came towards
2: me and he tried to stab me.
0: And what did you do after when he tried to stab you? I
2: threw
0: my phone
1: at him.
0: And did he do anything after you threw his phone, your phone, at him? He
1: came back at me.
0: When he when you say he came back at you, did he have something in his hand when he came back at you? A knife. A knife. What did you do if anything after he tried to stab you the second time with the knife? I got a little
2: bit of dirt, some gravel, and threw it at his face.
0: Now, one thing that's, that's crucial to point out is that the police officers who were going to the scene that night, including Officer Jason Van Dyke, had no idea uh, that, about the story by Rudy Berias that, that McDonald had tried to stab him. All they knew at the time was that there was an attempted burglary and that uh, police were asking for a taser and that Laquan had stabbed a squad car tire with his knife.
2: So, Jason, when Rudy Barrios was testifying, he never named Laquan McDonald. Do we know for a fact that McDonald is who he had that interaction with?
0: Well, it's not being contested by either side that it was, in fact, Laquan McDonald. But in court, Rudy Barrios was never asked to identify the person who was breaking into the truck. Um, he described him actually as five feet, five inches tall, African-American. He described a little bit about what he was wearing. But the description didn't quite match Laquan McDonald. I think um, it never became an issue, maybe because uh, neither side was contesting that that this person was Laquan.
2: How did the prosecution handle S? Yes?
0: They were fairly aggressive. Uh, I was, I was kind of surprised. They treated him almost like a hostile witness. Uh, special Prosecutor, Assistant Special Prosecutor Joseph Cullen, was pacing back and forth and kind of shouting at his questions. But they were clearly trying to bring out the fact that uh, one, uh, McDonald never actually did stab him, and number two, uh, that he was pretty easily scared off. I mean, he threw a cell phone at him, he threw some dirt at him, and Laquan ran off. So they were, while the defense was obviously calling yes, to paint Laquan McDonald as a, as a dangerous person, uh, the cross-examination brought out that, well, maybe he wasn't really going to stab anybody that night.
2: How do you think his testimony landed with the jury?
0: I noticed that the jury was very interested in the testimony. They were uh, all turned towards him, paying attention. You know, Sometimes in some of the other testimony, their minds seemed to be wandering a little bit. But they were at rapt attention, especially when he got up and demonstrated this attack. Um, and then through the cross-examination, I think I think uh, whether it was good for the defense or not, they were definitely paying attention to what he had to say.
2: Now, that's what Rudy has said on the stand, but you've actually interviewed him um, outside of the courtroom. Anything from that conversation that adds to what he said on the stand today?
0: A couple weeks before the trial started, I went out to the South Side to find him. Uh, And I did. He owns a uh, a used furniture shop. Uh, And he was reluctant to speak to me, but eventually he did. He said he was kind of scared to testify, especially because his his shop is in an African-American neighborhood. I don't think he he really wanted to come in at all, but he was under subpoena. Um, So he told me basically the same story that he said on the stand. He did tell me that uh, Laquan was grunting at him that night, and that after he ran off, uh, Barrios never knew what happened. It wasn't until a couple days later that he had a message on his machine from a Chicago police detective saying, you need to come in and talk to us.
2: And what was his response when he found out what happened to Laquan McDonald?
0: I asked him about that, and he, he told me, uh, look, this guy, um, you know, he did try to stab me, and I, I felt like if it wasn't me, he was going to try to hurt somebody else. So he told me that he thought that officers were just trying to do their job. But then I asked him, well, did you see the video? And he said, yes. And I said, what, do you, what did you think of when you saw that? And he just looked at me and he said, too many shots.
2: Jason, thanks a lot. Thank you. Also in the courtroom today was WBEZ's Shannon Heffernan. And Shannon, another witness the defense called today was Leticia Velez. She was a police officer who was also on the scene that night. What were the key points she made?
1: She testified that she thought Laquan McDonald had a gun because he reached to his side. Now her partner did say, I don't think it's a gun, I think it's a knife, but but, but that was still her viewpoint. She also thought that Laquan McDonald looked deranged.
2: He did not look at us, he did not look towards our direction. He just kept looking uh, straight ahead.
1: Could you
0: characterize anything about the way he uh, was acting?
1: He looked deranged. She testified that the video didn't really capture that, the look he had on his face.
0: The video, was that the same perspective that, that you had that evening?
1: It doesn't show his face. Doesn't show the look in his eye. And the point of this is they're continuing to try to paint Laquan McDonald as this scary person, this person that Jason Van Dyke had a reason to be afraid of.
2: Shannon, how do prosecutors push back on her testimony?
1: They tried to say that she wasn't accurately describing the specifics, basically making her out to not be a credible witness. Like, the prosecutor asked a lot about whether or not she pulled her gun. She said she didn't remember if she drew her weapon or just unsnapped the holster. Um, She made a deal about how this was a, a long time ago, so it was hard to pull up details like that. They also brought some other issues up, like the fact that she had originally testified that this was a hot call or a very important call, and it turned out that originally she didn't want to respond to the call at all, that she had argued with her partner that they should go eat dinner and ignore the call. Part of the reason she says that she thought they shouldn't respond is because they didn't have a taser. So they didn't have the kind of tool that was being requested over the radio.
2: Now Van Dyke's defense attorneys also put some other witnesses up on the stand today to make the case that Laquan McDonald was violent and was a threat to officers that night. Who were those other witnesses?
1: So we heard from another staff member at the Juvenile Detention Center. She said she was called to the unit when some youth, including Laquan McDonald, wouldn't go to their rooms when they were supposed to. She said it took about two minutes to talk him into going into his room, but he was yelling and shouting, including after he was in his room, some pretty threatening things um, about how he would harm staff staff or um, harm a judge on his case. One of the experts we talked to for this podcast, Sharon Mitchell, he's a former public defender and an attorney, said that lots of judges are actually pretty limited on what kind, th- this kind of testimony, how often they'll allow it at trial, because a victim's past is viewed as irrelevant or even prejudicial. But Gone has allowed some of this testimony at trial. Um, calling these kinds of witnesses, witnesses that are going to talk about the background of the person who's dead to talk about their past acts that, that, that maybe point to violence. That can be a, a difficult thing for a defense team to pull off. We've spoken to some legal experts on this topic, and they say, you know, it can go too far the other direction. It can start to sound like you're slandering the dead person, that you're speaking ill of someone who can't defend themselves, who can't speak for themselves, and that could backfire. So defense has spent a lot of time on these kinds of witnesses, um, talking about Laquan McDonald, and it, it, it may be a dangerous bet that they've placed.
2: And how do you think this testimony is landing with jurors?
1: Well, I can't really tell by looking at their faces during this. They did seem pretty stone-faced. We do know outside the courtroom that a lot of people have been angry about this and frustrated that um, they're bringing up Laquan McDonald's past. Um, but that's not really the job of lawyers or the judge to think about. They're thinking about what happens inside the courtroom.
2: Shannon, thanks for the update. Thank you. 16 Shots is a production of WBEZ Chicago and the Chicago Tribune. You can find out more about the case at wbez.org 16 Shots. Check this podcast feed regularly for updates from the trial of Officer Jason Van Dyke. And listen wherever you get your podcasts. In the morning rush or the end of day hustle, find the news on the WBEZ mobile app. Catch up and stay informed on your schedule from wherever you are. Available now for Android or iOS.